Please stand for our call to worship. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the living God. This is the day when we rejoice in God's act of creation. This is our Sabbath when we rejoice in the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. We give thanks that once more God has brought us together that we might refresh one another. Peace to all who enter here. Peace this day and every day. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. may be seated. Let me welcome all of you to worship this morning. This is the second Sunday of Easter Tide, a time we gather, and this is traditionally a low Sunday because it's the Sunday after Easter and uh, that we have celebrated with great uh, excitement last week, and we hope to carry that forward in the days ahead. But the Sunday after Easter, the first Sunday, is usually a low day in attendance, but we have a good attendance here today, and, and part of that is 
result of Dr. Roxburgh's, some of his class members. I'm going to let him speak to that later if he'd like, but we're glad that you're all here. And we're glad that those who may be guests also that have come on your own accord are here too. Today as we gather, we gather here in the name of our risen Savior. We come to worship the one true and living God. And as we do so, we come to call forth all those gifts that we have to use those for the purpose of, of praising God in this hour, but also to know that as we leave this place, we too will go out into a world in which the love of God is desperately needed by people who are hurting, who are struggling in various different ways. So we pray that today that you will sense God's presence among us here, but also that you will feel uplifted by all the elements of this time of worship today. We would like for all of those who attend to leave a record of your attendance with us. We have a little registration booklet at the end of each pew. You can write down your name and as much information as you would like to include in that. But please do that so we'll know who all is here. Especially the class members of Dr. Roxburgh, you need to sign that book because he may look at it. But nonetheless, we're glad that you're here and worshiping with us. Southside Baptist Church is a church here in the heart of Five Point South. We are building an inclusive community of grace, uh, both here in this community and beyond. And we hope that you have sensed that as you've come into this place of worship today. Would you bow with me as we continue in our worship? Loving and almighty God, we come into this place with great awe and wonder at all that you have done. From speaking all that is into existence to breathing life into us and sustaining our life day by day. We thank you for all that you have done, for all the provisions made. And we know that in this hour that you are here, that you are here with us in all events of life. But even now, we sense your presence. We ask, O oh Lord, that our worship would be pleasing unto you. For it's in your name I pray. Amen.
Our first reading this morning is comes from the Psalter, Psalm 130, a song of ascent. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Here ends our first reading. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John and chapter 11, reading verses 21 through 27. And in honor of the Gospel and the words of our Savior, will you stand for the reading of Scripture? Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah the Son of God, the one coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord.
I'm just wondering where the tithe to the preacher was, but there we go. <laughs> the tithe to the preacher, you know. <laughs> one of our opportunities as we come into the presence of God to worship is to pray. Pray for one another, but pray for the wider world in which we live in. So will you join me together as we bring our prayers of intercession to God? Loving God, your purpose is to give life. You have created life in the midst of this vast universe, and you have renewed that life forever in the person of your Son, risen from the dead. And so we come with joy before you this morning to worship and to adore you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, blessed forever. We come to you with our faith as well as our doubts, our achievements and also our failures, our past and with all our potential. Forgive us when we have done wrong or failed to do right and help us by the power of your spirit to change. You are greater than we can imagine, the one who is and who was and who is to come. May your eternal love and presence sustain us in our journey of faith. Today, O Lord, we pray for the world and all its need. We pray for those who seek refuge from war, for those who guide the response to such need. We pray for all politicians. May they give a lead well and do their work with honesty, integrity, and diligence. We pray for the sick and those who care for them. May they live with hope. May they find care and healing. And may they always know that they are remembered and loved. We pray for us as a congregation that you would make us into a healing community which welcomes the stranger and cares for the troubled. May the lonely find friendship. May the prosperous live with generosity and may all practice your kindness. We pray for our, this church and also for your church throughout the world. May she live and grow, conform to your image, to become a shelter and light for many peoples. Strengthen our life together. Strengthen those that serve those that lead, that we may share together in the work of your kingdom in this place. With thanksgiving this morning for all our sisters and brothers who live and serve you in heaven, may they rest in peace and rise one day in glory, and with hope founded on the resurrection of our crucified Lord, we offer all our prayers in his name and share in the prayer that he gave us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen.
wonder if you've ever been lost on a road trip somewhere. Coming from Great Britain, I was familiar with roundabouts, which I believe can be slightly confusing if you've never encountered them before, especially if you're driving on the wrong side of the road. That's why signs are so important to help us to know where we're going. Now, if you've ever been in a place without signs, then you have a sense of what it means to be vulnerable and lost. The Gospel of John tells us many of the accounts of Jesus' works, his miracles, and John refers to them as signs. And along with the signs, where we see the significance of the miracle that Jesus is performing, Jesus often gives a word about himself to explain what he's done. The Gospel of John is full of symbols, full of metaphors, full of analogies, similes. At the very beginning, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then it goes on to say, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. Encountering this Jesus, John says, is life-transforming. The end of the Gospel, he tells his readers that Jesus did many other signs, which are not contained in this book. But these are written that through them you might come to know and believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Among the many signs that Jesus did was the miracle of the rising of Lazarus from the dead. And in that context, Jesus gave one of his famous I am sayings, I am the resurrection and the life. As you look around the stained glass windows in this church, you will see many of those signs that come from John's gospel. And beginning this morning, for several weeks, we're going to reflect on what it means to know Jesus, the I am. And this morning, we have the I am window of the resurrection and the life. The story that we find in John 11, that I've just read a few verses from, contains a sign about life and death. It's the story of one of the toughest things that ever happens to any one of us. Someone you love, really love, becomes gravely ill and dies. Over the years, this has happened, will happen, to each and every one of us. A parent dies, sometimes far too young. The first time a close friend of yours dies, it kind of shakes you up, makes you realize that we're all mortal. And you can't really have realize what's happening, and you're overcome at times with fear, with trepidation, and with a great sense of sorrow. One of the closest friendships that Jesus had while he was living on this earth was with three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They lived together in a little village called Bethany, about two miles from Jerusalem. We don't know how they met, but we do know that Jesus often visited their house, especially during the last week of his life. As you read the scriptures, you read that Jesus was going in and out from Bethany to Jerusalem, and at the end of each day of Holy Week, he went back to Bethany. It was a home from home. He could drop in almost unannounced, and there would be something for him to eat and somewhere for him to rest. We live in 2016. You can think of the people in your life that are like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He eats at their table. He talks things over with them. 
probably shares an ancient Near Eastern joke or two with them, and they laugh, and they also cry. Friendships like that are very precious. The people that we turn to for advice, for counsel, just to, just to chat, especially when life sucks. It may be that, humanly speaking, Jesus was the best, that Lazarus, rather, was the best friend of Jesus. And so, when he becomes ill, seriously ill, Martha sends a message to Jesus, and the simple message is, the one that you love is ill. That was all she thought she needed to say. Now, you would have thought that Jesus would have dropped absolutely everything and rushed off to Bethany, taking the Delta shuttle, even though he had to go through Atlanta, but he doesn't. He dilly-dallies on the way. Does he think it's too risky to go to Bethany, so close to Jerusalem? John tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees are looking out for a way to do him harm. That appears to be what Thomas is thinking, because Thomas, in the midst of all this, when Jesus decides to go to Bethany, he says, oh, let's just go and die with him. Typical Eeyore statement. But they eventually go. I wonder what's going through Jesus' mind. Martha sees Jesus coming down the road. She rushes out to meet him, and she is not happy at all. You're too late, she blurts out in anger and frustration. If you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. You could have at least held his hand. I thought you were his friend. Mary is just as irritated, but she stays in the house. She can't cope with going out and speaking to Jesus face to face. So Jesus has to ask for Mary to come. But Mary is overwhelmed with grief. Mary and Martha are affected by grief in different ways, as many of us are in life. Mary dissolves in tears. And when Jesus sees this, he himself breaks down and weeps. And he says, show me where he is buried. He's come at least for a late visitation. Jesus weeps himself. He's overwhelmed, not only by seeing the grief of his two friends, Mary and Martha, He's overwhelmed with the thought that Lazarus, his dear friend, has died. He will raise Lazarus from the dead, but he still weeps. The hope of the Christian faith does not take grief and sorrow out of our experience. The ancient Near Eastern culture of mourning is significant here, and Jesus enters into it. There was intense mourning for seven days, and then there was a further, less intense mourning for 23 more days. And Jesus enters into the mourning. He weeps with those who weep. William Butler Keats once commented, the world is more full of weeping than you can understand. Some of us are more like Martha. We, we keep it to ourselves. And others are more like Mary. She just weeps and Jesus shares in her weeping. Yet even in the face of unspeakable suffering in the world, we are given hope of a different world, a world that through Jesus and in this incident and later in his own death and resurrection, hope is going to break into a world of darkness, doubt, despair, and death. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Into the darkness of a world of death, Jesus comes. We try to 
push death out of our thinking. Even when it happens, we use a euphemism to speak about it. She or he has passed because we struggle with the reality. But into this world of darkness comes the light of the world. In him was life, and the light was the light of the world, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. Into that darkness of Bethany, of Mary and Martha and Jesus, comes the one who says, I am the resurrection and the life. During a recent Wednesday evening study, one of our members recited a sonnet from John Donne, Holy Sonnet 10. It begins with these lines, death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. I particularly like the last four lines. One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death thou shalt die. This is the message of this passage. It's not to say that death doesn't happen, it does. But in the midst of death and dying, we have the promise of Jesus risen from the dead. I am the resurrection and the life. But notice that Jesus not only gives this promise and not only weeps, but there's another emotion in this story that we often overlook. Another expression that John uses to describe the reaction of Jesus to this moment of bereavement, and it's very important. The Bible tells us that Jesus was deeply troubled, and the Greek word underlying this means that Jesus shuddered with sadness. His body shook with emotion. The word in classical Greek is used to refer to a horse, a horse that snorts. The whole body of the horse shakes, and so Jesus, literally, his body is shaking, shuddering with emotion. It's not now the emotion of grief and sorrow, it's the emotion of anger, anger that death has come and taken his friend. Even though he knows he will raise him from the dead, he's angry. There's a paradox for the Christian faith about death. Death is ugly. Death is an enemy. It's the last enemy. And although Jesus will take the sting out of death, death will not be completely gone until the day of final resurrection. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the dead, he doesn't say we won't die. He says, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die eternally. It's that kind of hope that gives us faith to press on in the midst of our grief. I read this week of a, a little book, The Fresh Packet of Sower Seeds, in which the author Brian Kavanaugh recounts a, a little story. It's only a couple of short paragraphs long about a snail who has a vision. One raw, windy day in spring, a snail started to climb a cherry tree. Some birds in a nearby tree sniped their ridicule. Hey, you dumb snail, where do you think you're going? Why are you climbing that tree, says another. There are no cherries on it. There will be by the time I get there, replied the snail. 
hope. Hope of something better. Hope gives us faith to press on. And in the midst of all the circumstances of life, to hear the words of Jesus in this particular setting say to us this morning, I am the resurrection and the life. It might seem like a cliche this morning, especially if you're currently struggling with grief. That's exactly how it felt to Martha initially. And Jesus challenges her and says to her, do you believe this? He made a promise that was a remarkable promise. But he also asked a question. He asked perhaps one of the most important questions that Martha had been asked. Do you believe this, Martha? Do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? Not just in the future, but here and now in the present. Do you fear death this morning? In Hebrews 2, the writer to that, of that chapter speaks about those who live in bondage by their fear of death. I don't know exactly what he's speaking about. It may be the fear of the process of death and dying that is fraught with struggle and pain. It may be the sense of bereavement that overwhelms us at times with a friend, a family member passes. Or it may be just the fear of the unknown that somehow or another we're not assured of the love of God towards us that cannot ever separate us from the love of God. Even death can't do that. But we worry. We're fearful. The writer of the Hebrews says, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, he, Jesus, by the grace of God, he tasted death for every one of us. He took death into his being. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though she die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt do you believe this? Will you pray with me? God of hope, God of grace, God of resurrection, Lord Jesus Christ, grant that the words that you spoke so many years ago to Mary and Martha become a living reality of hope within our lives this morning, that we may cling to them and know your presence as we believe them. We ask this for your dear name's sake. Amen. One of the great symbols of the living presence of our Lord that we continue to enjoy as Christians is the Lord's Supper, communion, breaking of bread, Eucharist, so many different names we give to it. And being the first Sunday of the month, we will celebrate the communion now. We're a church that invite all to come and share in this communion feast as we share in the presence of the Lord Jesus, as we offer bread and wine, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We share it by intinction, which means that we come down the two aisles and Dr. Kelly and myself will be 
here to receive you, first of all, the choir, and then to come and to take one of the wafers and to dip it in the cup by intinction and receive it and then go back to your pew. We hope that all will feel able and accepted to receive the invitation to come and share in communion this morning. The gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
closing hymn of affirmation, promise, and also commitment is number 210. Let us rise to sing. I know that my Redeemer lives. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this joyful Easter tide. Through your resurrection, you have given us a new life. Give us wisdom and discernment as we daily walk in this new life. Help us to love others as you have loved in your resurrection. We freely give you our time, talents, and offerings in the honor of your name. Amen.
Take your seat for just a moment, please. A couple of announcements we need to make uh, today about the activities this week. Certainly the normal activities of Wednesday evening as Dr. Roxburgh started a new series on all the saints. Last week was Wesley. This week will be uh, John Calvin and uh, sort of understanding a little bit about those, um, those beliefs, but also how we, how we also understand and relate uh, those to our own uh, theology as well. On Wednesday evening, also, just prior to that time of study, we have a call business meeting, and you'll be those uh, that are, certainly those that are going to be elected as deacon or church officer committees, you'll want to be there for that, uh, along with all, we, we encourage everyone to be here, but certainly those will be here. Uh, and then uh, also there's a special event this week, and uh, Kenny Gannon is going to come and speak to that. Thank you, Tim. More than 25 years ago, I was eating supper at Mary Max Tea Room on Ponce de Leon Avenue with my dad, Truett Gannon. A voice cried out from another part of the restaurant, Hello, Truett. It's my dad's name, after George W. My dad said back, Hello, Hovey. It was the only time I ever met Hovey Lister. Jake Hess, the lead singer for the Statesman Quartet, was a member of my boyhood church, First Baptist Church of Avondale Estates. We never saw Jake very much because they were on the road all the time. It wasn't until 25 years later that I began to appreciate the influence of Hovey Lister on popular music in America. I didn't know that he'd been such a profound influence on Elvis Presley. I didn't know that the Statesman had sung at Elvis's funeral. I didn't know that they'd sung at the funeral of Hank Williams. They'd become friends with Hank when Hovey found him destitute in a cheap motel somewhere on one of their tours. 25 years later, I found myself as a producer, and I decided to produce this tribute to Hovey because what I wanted to do 25 years ago when, I, when Hovey said hello to me and my dad was to get up and give him a big hug. This week is a really important week for me, and I hope it will be for you. I hope you'll come join us, because this week is my hug to Hovey Lister and his family who will be with us. It's also a chance for you to get to hear the words, hello, Southside Baptist, from Hovey Lister, and to hear Dr. Tim Banks take on the role of Jake Hess as the lead singer as we offer our tribute. Friday at 7. Thanks. Thank you, Kenny. You all received a flyer in the, or insert in the bulletin that, that had a little bit of details about that, but these two will be uh, starring in that production, and so we look forward to that and know that it will be a, just a wonderful time and a, and a big hug from you to them, too. Would you stand as we prepare to go out? And as you do, before uh, Dr. Roxborough comes and, and pronounces a benediction, take a moment to pass the peace of Christ to those nearby you. Bye. May the peace of Christ be with you. As we go, having heard the words of the risen Lord, may the peace, the joy, and the hope 
that comes from knowing our Savior be with you now and all the days ahead of you. Amen.